Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Cranking it up this week on the Hang Time Podcast. Aku Smith in Atlanta. Lang Whitaker in the belly of the beast in New York. Winter Yo. storms. Drama as usual. I went to the Knicks game and I had great seats and I was sitting right behind Charles Oakley. <laughs> Couldn't see anything. You better be careful. <laughs> Oakley, Oakley listens to the Hang Time Podcast and if he catches wind of us. We love Oakley. Making snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make sure you get it out there. Charles Oakley uh, arrested after an altercation. In the stands at uh, Madison Square Garden, interrupted what has been a, a pretty dramatic couple of weeks of stuff around the league. That was about as dramatic as anything I've seen in a long time. Like, you ever seen anything like that? A player who's iconic in a franchise in the arena getting run out of there, you know, with an no. army of security like that? I've seen altercations at Madison Square Garden, and I've yeah. seen altercations at Madison Square Garden in the stands. Right. But not like that. It's been a crazy year for the Knicks, and I think, you know, like, it's just when you think you've seen it all, <laughs> something else happens. So I picked the wrong night to be on uh, babysitting duty last night and be home. Yeah. The rest, it was weird. I, I was watching how they were cutting in with it on new, regular news channels, like, you know. Yeah. You know how when sports crosses over into just the general news, that's when you know something has gone terribly wrong. Like, I kept hearing them say, what, you're not going to believe what's going on at Madison Square Garden? I was like, uh-oh. And it was on it was on the back page of all the papers this morning, but yeah. it was also on the it was also on the front page of all the papers this morning, which yeah. is not good. I, th- I mean, the first thing that came to my mind is that Phil and Carmelo maybe have gotten into it, but that wasn't the case. Phil apparently tried to calm Oak down from the reports I saw, but I, I don't apparently think that didn't was, work. Yeah, no one was calming him down. <laughs> the Knicks having drama, of course, isn't the only uh, major headline around the league right now. This injury thing, I thought we maybe had gotten past it, you know, getting into the 2017 portion of the schedule. How wrong was I? Zach Levine of the Timberwolves out for the season with a torn ACL. Brutal. Evan Turner out five to six weeks with the broken hand. And then last night, and John Hartzell's in here in his funeral garb. I hated to see it. Jabari Parker goes down with a non-contact, left knee injury, same knee that, you know, he injured before. Suffered that ACL in 2014. He And I don't know. We haven't heard for sure yeah. the details yet, but it, it is, apparently it, even if it's, you know, a, a sprained MCL, he's going to be out for quite some time. And this is right when they get Chris Middleton back line. The same night, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you're the Bucks, you're thinking, what, what do we got to do? Yeah, I mean, who, who did you tick off in a former life to get treated like this? We we always deal with injuries around the NBA. That's, that's not uncommon. But why does it always seem like it, it comes in waves? Like, it's not just one or two guys. It's got to be six or seven, yeah. you know, guys at one time that are dealing with this. I don't know, man. I, I said the other day, this feels like the part of the season where it should be sponsored by Southwest Airlines. It's like, do you want to get away? <laughs> like, everyone's tired and they're just run down. And emotionally, I think everyone's kind of at, at wit's end. They've been living with their teammates for the last six months. And that, that one-week vacation looks pretty good, I think, right oh my now. Gosh. I'm, I've been looking at the calendar, and I'm look, I just say, if I can make it to February, 24th in one piece I'll survive. you know like I'll have survived because I got a I got a nice little vacation to Houston last weekend but it didn't end so well <laughs> I don't even want to go there I, speaking of misery 
I don't even want to make you dive into that yeah. into that nonsense. It's just an unbelievable finish to the Super Bowl. Your, your Falcons did not finish the season the way you expected. or Well, the way you expected, maybe not the way a lot of other Falcons fans expected. Right. But, I mean, this the, the Bucks of all these injuries, you know, the Timberwolves are not a playoff team. Portland has been supremely disappointing compared to what the expectations were. But the Bucks were a team we thought at one point as recently as a few weeks ago had a chance to, you know, get not only get in the playoffs, but scare somebody, make some noise. They hit the skids a little bit, and now this just is like a punch to the gut, losing uh, losing Jabari for however long they might lose him for. I wonder if this is the part, the time of the season now, where we start to see some separation, you know, because mm-hmm. like that, that top, we have the top teams in both conferences, but then it seems like there weren't a lot of teams that were kind of in seller mode heading into the trade deadline. And I wonder if now some of these teams, they know they're not going to have a shot at the playoffs and they think, well, you know, now's the time we're, we better do something yeah. because that trade deadline's coming up. And if we're going to do anything, we got to do it in these next week and a half here. Right. Our guest today, unfortunately, had to deal with some serious and significant injuries throughout his career. A lot of people would tell you that it probably sapped him of his best, his very best days, you know, in the NBA. And, and certainly he's a guy who's recovered from all of that and, and made a spectacular, really, finish to his career getting healthy and getting back to semblance of, of, you know, who he was before the injuries. Grant Hill, Duke alum, NBA All-Star and owner of the Atlanta Hawks, as well as a colleague of ours at Turner Sports, Grant Hill, joining us this week. Grant, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. We're good. We, we were actually just talking about this Jabari Parker thing, and, you know, we, we don't know the prognosis yet, but as someone who, who had significant injuries in your career, Grant, like, when something like this happens, when, when you get injured once, twice, what, what sort of a toll does that take on you as a player? Well, I mean, I think there's the obvious potential sort of physical toll. Um, you know, I, I had five surgeries over wow. the course of four years that required me to miss a good portion of those four years. And I think sort of subconsciously what can happen is you you begin to lose confidence, obviously, in your body's ability to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think then as well, you kind of lose confidence in, in, in you and in your, in your game. And I think that happened to me as I eventually overcame, you know, the injuries and was able to get healthy, uh, aside from some of the restrictions that were there, you kind of lose, you know, you kind of lose that belief in yourself a little bit. There, there's a certain aura or a certain, not aura, a certain confidence yeah. uh, and belief system you have in yourself that allows you to be a really good player, be a great player. And you kind of just go from that to, uh, I'm just happy to be healthy, you know, and, and so the difference, though, with Jabari, and, you know, let's, let's hope for the best in his case, but sure. I was already established. I mean, I'd already right. been in the league. I had been an, an all-star. I, you know, I had already had years under my belt before my injury ordeal began. He's still trying to establish himself. I and mean, he's really only had a year and a half, you know, of, of playing time, consistent playing time. And really that's last year, which I count as his first year, it probably took him a good half a season just to get confidence and trust in his body. So when these type of things happen to a very young player, repetitive injuries, you know, assuming that, you know, let's not assume worst case, but if it were were to be, that's when it becomes kind of alarming for them uh, moving forward. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's one of those tough things too, Grant, where you look at it, he looked like he was just really getting his physical – faculties under him again like where he was jumping out of the gym and looking like the explosive guy who was rated the number one high school player in the country before he went to duke 
that to me makes it even tougher for him now because he's a young guy who was just relearning how to play explosively like that and then for it to be a non-contact injury like this and you know something where again he looks like he just gets knocked down in in mid-step with this kind of injury do you do you call a guy like that and as as a Duke alum and counsel him on just how to psychologically manage this process that's coming up yeah without a doubt and look I mean Jabari is someone who who's a friend uh although he's you know, old enough to be my child. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he's part of the brotherhood, and I have had a lot of talks with him. And, you know, we text each other from time to time, and I just send him words of encouragement. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, it was really quite amazing. I noticed it last year at the All-Star Game in the Rising Stars Challenge. And then, you know, whether I watch him play or I've seen highlights from his game, some of the explosiveness that we've seen this year from him was really off the charts. I mean, some of the dunks, the the, the, the moves in transition, I, I don't know if I ever saw that from him. I mean, it's yeah. very rare you see a person have an ACL injury and come back jumping better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know that, you know, I know he signed with Dr. Tucker um, as an agent. I know they really worked on his body. He, he's, you know, eating right. He slimmed down. And I think you know, if this were to be something bad, and I and I hate I hate to say that. I mean, right, I hope it, right. I hope it's good, but hopefully there's some peace of mind and comfort in knowing that he's been, you know, he's been through this and he can get back. And you know, it's just a long, arduous process, but he's been through it. You know, and yeah. he's had good results. Uh, look, when you play professional sports, and particularly in the NBA, there's always a chance for injury. You know, there's mm-hmm. always. You know, you land on somebody's foot or you just have a weird situation. Maybe you fell a game or two before and your body gets out of alignment. Right. And then you go out and play. I mean, anything can happen. Look, I'll give you an example of an inspiring story, and that'd be Russell Westbrook. Sure. You know, Westbrook mm-hmm. is somebody that, you know, now we talk about how great he is, and rightfully so, but, you know, five or six years ago he was dealing with injuries. And mm-hmm. they may not have been as long-term or as, as, as significant as what Jabari's gone through, but there was concern with the way he plays, whether or not he could be healthy. And, you know, now that's sort of behind him, and he still looks explosive and dominant and able to to be the player we all know he is. So, you know, when you go through those type of injuries, that's another thing. You look for inspiring stories or inspiring examples of people who've been through similar situations. And it feels like it's almost like the majority of players have had something like that. If you haven't had an injury thing or throughout your career, then you're in the minority. I mean, think like, you know, Steph Curry and off the top of my head, I'm, uh, I just had someone else. I'm blanking Kevin on Durant. it. But I mean, there are a lot of guys Kevin Durant. who have gone through Kevin Durant, significant yeah. things. There's been a lot of guys like that. But let's talk about something. I want to talk about something that's a, a little more uh, happier to talk about. Well, yeah, you're one well, of the few. Anytime you're, you're one talking of, about the Hawks, you're happy. Well, yeah. Well, Grant's one of the few people I can I can say our Atlanta Hawks, and it actually it actually is, is applicable. You're going into year two uh, of being one of the owners of the Atlanta Hawks. You came in last year with Anthony Ressler and, and that ownership group. What's it been like for you, Grant? What's it been like to to be an owner of an NBA team? Well, it's been good. You know, I think kind of you know we're, we're colleagues on the broadcasting side and you know sports journalists, if you will. And, you know, it's fun. I mean, I think we all enjoy what we do. And I know, Sekou, we worked together a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah. The only sort of downside to that is, you know, you can analyze what's happening. You can, you know, you can call a game. You can be in the studio. But you really don't have, you know, you don't have any skin in the game. You know, you don't, yeah. you're not concerned with the results. And as an athlete, you live and die by the results. And, and so coming in as an owner, 
you know, now you live and die by the results. You know, I mean, if you, would, if, you would, if you would talk to me on Tuesday, I'd have been in a bad mood because we lost to Utah Monday night. Um, and so I'm in a good mood now. Um, no, I mean, I'm in a good mood now, excuse me, because we had a good win the other day. But, you know, it, it's fun. It, it's, it's, it's a lot involved. I'd say there's a healthy respect for what, what it takes to run an organization on the business side. We've had tremendous momentum, you know, with our with our ticket, our fans, our fans, and our season ticket base, our partners, some of the initiatives that you guys are aware of, uh, remodel for our arena, a new practice facility, a D League team. So, you know, we we, we feel good, and we're, we're continuing to try to move the needle in terms of you know resonating with Atlantans and building the fan base in Atlanta. You know, on the basketball side, it's, it's, it's fun, it's engaging, it's tough, though, because uh, there's a lot of really difficult decisions. Um, but, you know, having a chance to work with, with, you know, Bud and Wes and, you know, just try to, you know, try to ultimately get a championship, you know. And, yeah. uh, but it, it's good. I enjoy it, and I enjoy working with, you know, with our folks on the business side. And, you know, corporate partners and the community relations and so on and so forth. But then also, you know, on the basketball side as well. I will say, though, it's weird. The first year I wasn't really good at – I didn't know how to, like, interact with the players. Like, you know, right. I've, I've been conditioned to think that owners are a distraction and owners aren't allowed <laughs> in the locker room. And, uh, and I've had quite – I've had some interesting owner – personalities uh as a player mm-hmm. uh-huh. and so i didn't i i still like you know you don't you, you want to respect everybody's turf and you don't want to be a distraction and so i'm i'm still figuring all that out although things are better this year but you know it's, it's just weird you know and 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 um but it's fun it's yeah. fun and i'm enjoying it and uh you know i i uh, I, i'm having a blast yeah grant is it an anxious time for for every ownership group when you're talking about the the lead up to the February 23rd trade deadline and air, it's rumor city everything is a rumor everything is this could happen that might happen sources said this that and the other how weird is it on the ownership side of the trade deadline compared to when you're playing and and you're trying to to block out all of the drama and now on the ownership side you got to pay attention to all of it basically yeah i mean it's it's one of those times of the year where there's a lot of uh a lot of noise a lot of chatter and and some of it's obviously rightfully so um you know i think i think what happens is there's there's and and i you know i've seen it on both sides now so i i think there's a lot of discussion there's a lot of talking that goes on more talking than actually action yeah <laughs> but you know, either you will place a call to a team or you'll receive a call about a possibility. And I think, you know, as management, you always explore those. General managers will. And I think there are certain teams that will will go public with that. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll release the, the information to a source. And sometimes the, the idea of that is, hey, if I, you know, if I put it out there, maybe, you know, maybe it might stick. You know, it might gather some momentum. It might put pressure on the other team. Right. And so there's some strategy involved with that. But I, I think, and so what happens is, you know, all of a sudden now, you know, people's names are, th- are thrown out there and so on and so forth. And, and now the rumor kind of mill explodes. And it really might not be anything other than just taking a call and receiving a call from a team because they're interested in somebody. 
And uh, and, I, and I see it now with Kevin Love. You know, yeah. Kevin Love, there's all this talk, and who knows, maybe there's some truth to it, maybe there's not, but I, I think it's just sort of the world we're in now, the social media, just, you know, everything is more magnified than maybe it was back when I played in the 90s. And there's so much more access to information. And, you know, I just know that from sort of being privy to that on the on the team side, that a lot of it is, is not is not real. Or, yeah. you know, it's not, it, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's fake I don't news. want to say it's manufactured. So well, it's fake news. It's definitely <laughs> fake news. It's going around. It's, it's going around the country right now. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no question. Well, Grant, that bring that brings me to so I was in, in preparing for your big visit to the Hangtown Podcast today, I did some Googling. I know you got technically you got traded from Detroit to Orlando, but that was like a sign and trade thing. But you, you weren't really traded in your career and I was wondering if there were if you were ever in any trade rumors and I came across something that <laughs> Apparently the Lakers had talked about to the Pistons about Kobe and you at some point. Did you ever catch wind of that when you were playing? No, no, I didn't. I didn't, and uh, I, I didn't know about that. I also heard something about Allen Iverson and, and me back. You know, Larry Brown. I don't know, two thousand. Yeah. But I think that was maybe because Detroit might have thought I was going to leave, and so right. they were trying to explore possible sign and trade destinations particularly once the season was over. Yeah. Um, but up until that, I didn't get the sense. I didn't hear of anything. And uh, the whole Laker thing, I, I just heard that within the last year. So, yeah. uh, but, I, but I've been in the locker room, and I've been on the locker room when you hear rumors and, and actually when a trade happens. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because, you know, you're kind of conditioned to think it's team and, you know, we're in this together, we're family, we spend time with each other every day on and off the court. And then, you know, in the split second, you know, that player's gone. Yeah. And it just it's instant, you know, and and so uh but it's part of the business and uh I think players understand that and they and they deal with it. Yeah. I, there's no question about it. Grant Hill joining us here on the Hang Time podcast this week. Grant, one last thing, we'll let you get out of here. Just just curious, you see all of this, you know, drama and rancor about players talking about what they need and and what it takes to win a championship. It seems like the conversation has moved into the public discourse in ways that it never did in previous eras, and that might have to do with social media or what have you. But when you're on a team and and you're a a high-level team competing in the playoffs and that sort of thing, is that a conversation guys have internally with each other, like about, hey, we need to get better this way or that way, and we need to figure out a way to do it and, and to press that issue with the front office? Or do players tend to stay away from that and, and allow the, the front office to do their thing and just concentrate on playing? You know, I, I wouldn't say players as in the core guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, every team is different. But I think there's probably one or two guys that has uh, the ear of, of management and ownership yeah. and, and kind of, you know, I think, you know, look at things from a collaborative standpoint. So what I mean by that is, I think when, when management is considering making a move and considering doing something, they may talk to their star player mm-hmm. and get their thoughts or throughout the course of the season um, have discussion about the team, about the strengths, the weaknesses, get the player's perspective and consider that when trying to uh, figure out how to improve that club. Uh, now, there's been cases, yeah, where, you know, you go to ownership, you go to – I mean, I did that in Detroit at times. We had that kind of relationship. Right. Now, you know, 
I wasn't always right in my thought, and they didn't always listen to what I had to say. But you have sort of that kind of relationship and that dynamic. Now that it's become very vocal, and now you see situations where players are speaking through the media, I think now it becomes very unusual. And, and I think that's why it's, called, you know, it's, it's, it's become sort of big news. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's common. I mean, what, what LeBron, you know, you know, look, I get it. I mean, I think they do need a backup point guard. Now, right. I think for him being the elite player he is, it's almost like people saying, you know, like Bill Gates coming out and saying, my life is miserable. <laughs> like, you know, like no one's going to, you know, no one's going to care. You know, and you look at LeBron and he's like the best player in the world. And you're almost like, really? You need a backup point guard? <laughs> and so there may be truth to what he said, but him publicly saying that maybe doesn't look good for him. Right. But to answer your question, that happens. Yeah. And uh, it happens a lot. And, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, you want to make sure that, you know, you know, the team wants to make sure that, you know, the main guys in your locker room are on board with the vision uh, and, and, and maybe even like a guy and respect a guy they, they, they think about bringing in and, uh, or, you know, what the team needs. And so, you know, every situation is different, but that, that's not as uncommon as fans might think. It's probably more uncommon that it's become public like it has in Cleveland. Right. Well, you don't have to worry about anybody but Lang calling and bugging and texting about what the Hawks need to do. You, I mean, don't worry about the players. Worry about Lang. He's the main one talking about it. I do. He, he, he texts me all the time, so I, I, I know. I'm waiting, I'm, I'm waiting for that hurricane in New Orleans, man. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate you, Grant. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Know you're busy, and we'll see you in New Orleans. All right, guys. Thanks so much. I'll Thanks, see you man. in New Orleans. Take yes, care. sir. Thanks, Grant. Grant Hill joining us on the Hang Time Podcast. Some great information, great insights, Lang, from a guy who's, who's really experienced the game from every angle, when you think about his mm-hmm. career arc as a player, um, and certainly, uh, you know, a star college player, uh, a top pick, you know, outstanding rookie, all star, face of a franchise, and then sees the flip side. You know, when he's injured and and trying to rebuild his career, now as a successful broadcaster, of course, um, inside stuff, and you know, all of his work there on TNT and NBA TV and as a game analyst, but as a, as a part owner of a franchise too, which is stunning when you yeah. think about the amount of basketball that's on his plate at this stage of his life. I remember like late in his career, I was talking to him in the locker room or somewhere mm-hmm. and he, uh, he, he mentioned just, I, I didn't really, I don't remember how, what context, but he mentioned that Bill Bradley's book life on the run. And I was thinking, he was clearly thinking about his post basketball career, and I was thinking that like Bill Bradley is a pretty interesting model yeah. to to look at. And and granted, clearly thought a lot about it and read the book and was interested in that kind of stuff. So I was, uh, I've, I've always known when he finished playing, he was going to get into some interesting things, and and he hasn't been done that long. Yeah, but but he's already done a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, he's he's definitely lived the life of a Renaissance man, and you can always. Catch Grant on Saturdays on NBA TV with Kristen Ledlow on Inside Stuff. Check your listings for the times. Uh, great stuff from Grant Hill, uh, as always. And he mentioned we worked um, on the desk a couple weeks ago on Game Time. I have mm-hmm. to remind myself that, you know, he's a colleague when we're in there working, but he's also an owner. So you you spend the entire night in between segments. Mm-hmm. I'm quizzing him like a, like a beat writer would uh, an owner. Like if you get that kind of time next to an owner – 
you can't help yourself. You start asking questions about the league and about his team, and I'm thinking, oh, that's right, I can't keep peppering him with these questions, you know, because it's a, it's inappropriate for me to do it consistently when we're working together like that, and b, he ain't supposed to tell me all that. Like he can't be sharing all those secrets going on with the Hawks, but it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I think the Hawks and a lot of other teams from the trade deadline and whatever happens or does not happen then through some the summer and free agency, there are going to be a lot of tough choices teams have to make going into this summer to figure out where they want to put themselves in terms of the standing their team has going into next season. It's, you're starting that process now, you know, from the trade deadline to the end of the regular season, certainly through the playoffs, the draft, free agency, all of it kicks off, you know, in earnest when you start a season, but it really cranks up from trade deadline through the end of the summer. Like we were saying, I, th- I think we're going to start seeing these teams separate a little bit. And some of these teams um, are going to find out if, or we're going to find out if they are who we thought they were or not <laughs> heading into Go ahead and uh, crown head, them. heading into the, to the postseason here. It's that time Lang, to get smart, to wise <laughs> up with our main man, John Schumann and the Schumann stat. Fellas, what's up? What's going on? Nothing, man. Hey, you uh, you weren't seen uh, causing ruckus in a in an arena in the tri-state area last night, were you? I was actually. I was in Brooklyn, <laughs> and uh, you know, I was upset at the d- dessert plate in the uh, in the media room. Took so, it out on Aaron Harris. Yeah. Were you escorted yeah. out by security? Yeah, I started chewing out Aaron Harris, and they had to escort me out of the building. <laughs> nice. So, what you got? So, All-Stars coming up. I'm working on some uh, stats trivia regarding the 24 All-Star players. I found one of my favorite little nuggets. I'm going to ask you, uh, see if you can figure this out. All right. Of the 24 All-Stars, this player, this guy has taken the lowest percentage of his shots from the restricted area, mm-hmm. meaning the lowest you know, he, he doesn't shoot at the basket very much. Only 15% of his shots have come in the restricted area. Okay. So he's the anti-DeAndre Jordan, who's the, who's the all-star, who's taken the highest percentage of his shots uh, from the restricted area, 93%. This guy's taken only 15% of his shots from the restricted area. Hmm. Take a quick look at the all-star ra- roster, see if you can figure that who's who's the who's the one that gets to the basket the least. Clay Thompson. No. No, I wouldn't guess Clay. No, he's close, close. Seventeen. He's like the third, third uh, lowest percentage at eighteen percent. This guy's at fifteen percent. Who's jacking from three? It's probably someone we don't expect. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of the point. The Marcus Cousins. Nope. No. No. Cousins it better not be Demarcus 41. Cousins. What about uh? <laughs> let me think. Let me look at this All Star list. Mm. What about Gordon Hayward? Nope. Dang it. 26%. Yeah. Do you think it's like most of these guards get to the basket, right? Like yeah. They get to about, the basket a decent how about, amount. How about Except Paul Millsap? Nope. Paul Millsap, 29%. Ugh. I don't like this. Not a guard. It's not a guard. I should probably look at the list, too. I'm just uh, doing all right, time for a hint. We need a lifeline. What's our? We've named we've what? named two of the three centers on the uh, two of the three centers that are all stars. We've said DeAndre Jordan. We know it's not him. Mm-hmm. We said Boogie. Demarcus Cousins. Not him. Ant- so Anthony Davis. No, Anthony. Well, Anthony Davis is a power forward slash center. So I, I, I full time center. Mark, 
Mark Gasol. Mark Gasol. Only 15% of his shots have come in the restricted area. That, that one, like, surprised. Like, I didn't, you know, I know he's started, you know, he started taking threes this year. And Conor he, McGregor. He's an elbow, out, catch at the elbow and shoot from there kind of player. But I didn't realize yeah. that he did, He only gets, he barely gets to the basket uh, anymore. So only 15% of his shots, which is fairly low when you look at basically all players that, that, uh, that, that have taken a bunch of shots this year. Like if you just look at every player that's taken uh, at least 300 shots, he's near the bottom of the list in regards to shots that come uh, near the basket. He's not Kyle Korver, who's taken only 4% (laughs) of his shots at the basket. But, you know, as far as the big man, you know, this is a guy that he's a jump shooting big. You mean uh, Kyle Korver, that sharpshooter that uh, Langs Hawks traded away for uh, basically nothing? He's, what did he score the other day? 31? Something 29. 29. 29. Well, right. you know. Hit eight or nine threes. Lang bags on him when they're, when they're snaking it up, but he's, he's I haven't heard from Lang lately about Corver. They're almost back at 500 since they got him, right? <laughs> <laughs> Man, this guy's a hater. <laughs> Just kidding. So, Should, uh, uh, what, be, on, be on the lookout for more uh, all-star stats trivia next week. We'll have a couple articles basically uh, looking at each player and right. sort of some some stat statistical nuggets for all 24 guys. Also, something we do every year. Schumann's helping me assemble a mountain of three-point shootout data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. How's, me, uh, how's the uh, three-point shootout uh, study going? I'm going cross-eyed, man, but I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I got up to the 1997 shootout this morning. Um, the one thing I've found is that not every shootout is online, so I'm doing some other due diligence to find some stuff. But you've got to call uh, our man Hershey in uh, Secaucus. He he should be able to provide yeah, you with no. some uh, some stuff. Shoe, uh in, in your uh, study of the All Stars numbers, is anybody? Do you look at anybody's digits and say, mm, how'd this guy make the all-star team? Or is everybody more than no, deserving I, of their spot? I think everybody, like, I think they're all, like, deserving. Mm-hmm. I, I still think I've made the argument that Chris Paul should have been named. Right. And then do you find a replacement? I mean, the guy was the third best player in the Western Conference for, like, the first two months of the season. Right. And then, right. you know, got hurt. And then I don't think you fall out of the top 12. Gotcha. You know, because gotcha. he got hurt. So, I thought they should have put him on there and then added a player after. Right. Um, but I, I'll, I think you know, you see Charlotte struggling, you know, the last few weeks, and you see Milwaukee struggling the last few weeks, and so like, you know, uh, Kemba Walker and, and Giannis are going to get there, and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be worried about their teams making the playoffs. So that's right. that's always a. Uh, interesting, but like I don't think there's anybody there. I think they all. I mean, uh, this may be the one All Star list where you like it's hard to really find an argument with any of these guys. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I thought with the East, like you know, the guard, the starting guards weren't my starting guys. I would have starting guards, but the, the guys I had, John Wall, Kyrie Irving, I mean uh, Kyle Lowry, they made the team anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. good deal. We'll look. We'll uh, we'll see you next week, bro. We'll uh. We won't have to do this over. Looking forward to it. Over the lines, we'll be able to do this in person. And uh, they got oh, they got a bomb me spot in New Orleans anywhere. I don't know. I no, have to get a muffaletta. Right, well, somebody figure out a spot for us to hit it up now. All right. All right. Appreciate you, shoe. All right, fellas. All right, brother. Thanks, John. Later.
John Schumann with the Schumann stat as always, stumping us, making us look bad. You know, you think this guy would come on one week, Lang, and give us a, uh, you know, a if he softball stumps to us, hit. If he stumps us next week in New Orleans, I'm going to uh, take it to him physically. Because <laughs> we'll be there in person. No question. Uh, somebody has taken it to somebody else in bragging rights here. Um, I thought I was going to call it a comeback this week, but unfortunately, it ain't a comeback. No. It's not. It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. <laughs> I've been here for years. Yeah. Uh, both, both had two and one weeks last week, and I'm not going to count the for, – for Lang's feelings, you both what? got it wrong. So I'm not going to count the Isaiah Thomas will score more points than the Patriots, <laughs> mostly because Isaiah Thomas ended up with 28 points in that game, which is a sore number <laughs> – <laughs> Where regulation ended. It was a push. Yeah, brutal, brutal. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna stick the uh, the needle in your in your uh, temple any more than it already is laying on the Super Bowl. Man, that was that was tough to watch. So laying because you both had two in one weeks maintains his one game lead on the season. So this week we're not going to do Warriors Thunder on Saturday night. That's what? a big game. Going to make it a little more difficult. That Saturday night, we're going to do Celtics at Jazz. Uh, I'll go with Utah. Utah did look pretty good Monday night when they pounded the Hawks. I'm, I'm going to go with the Jazz. Okay. Then Sunday, barn burner here. NBA TV, Pelicans at Kings. Hmm. Man, I got to work. How about those Kings? I got to work game time Sunday night, so that means I get to I get to marvel at that game on the desk. Um, the Kings stuck to the Celtics. Yeah, yeah I think I am too. All right, so we have – you guys are following in line so far. Both Jazz and Kings. Final game Monday on TNT. Hawks at Blazers. I'll go Hawks. I'm gonna go with the Blazers. They, All right. They so need it. They need it worse than anything. Week. Yeah, they need it. They need it more than the Hawks do. Uh, I need it more than they do. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take the Hawks. Seriously, I mean, how long is it gonna take your psyche to recover from the Super Bowl? Like, seriously. I mean, is this another I, uh, forty years? Well. <sighs> I was numb for a while. Last couple of days, I've been more mad than I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I can't say I didn't see it coming. No, you called it. I saw you on NFL Network. I called you on NFL Network. Basically, telling the world that this is going to end badly. I said it was going to be a disaster and it was going to be <laughs> terrible. And you, and they were like, "Oh no, you got to believe. You got to believe." And I was like, "No, I can't. This is what's going to happen." They were like, "CC Sabathia was here, and he was." He was all nervous about the Raiders and see what happened. It didn't work. And I was like, yeah, well, okay, I feel the same way. Man. I was at a so Super Bowl I, party um, at my buddy's house, and I left at halftime because I was upset. You know, Tom Brady was playing like trash. You know, all my Michigan man yakking was like, you know, everybody was throwing it back in my face. Yeah, Michigan man. Blah, blah. So my last words as I walked out the door, John, was, you're all going to pay for this when Tom Brady leads the Patriots to this, you know, the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history at the end of this game. And literally dropped the mic and walked out on that one and drove home. So I called my buddy's house at the end of the game just to see if if they any of them were still there. Like, I wanted to see if they had actually stuck around for the for the misery. It took 13 rings for him to pick up. You know, I, I could tell they didn't want to answer the phone. You're saying it's your fault. Yes. So blame me, Atlanta. I jinxed I have you. A lot of, I have a lot of thoughts about that game, but, you know, probably best suited for another time in another place. The one special four-hour edition. <laughs> special four-hour misery podcast uh, after did, dark. I did say that with like when they got down eight, uh, there was like three minutes to go, four minutes to go, and I said 
I said to my friend Dave, I was sitting there with, I was like, look, they're going to score. They're going to get the two points. It's going to be a tie game. We're going to get the ball with like a minute left, and Matt Bryant's going to win the game. Like that's It was set up perfectly for that. We got the ball with a minute left, but we didn't have any timeouts left, and that's what killed us. I think I thought we should have let the Patriots score a lot earlier so we would have more time with the ball. But you know. So what you're saying is bye, Kyle Shanahan. See you later. Don't let the door hit you. Yeah, I mean, look, we had clearly had one of the great offenses in the NFL history all season. I And I'm not really that mad that they didn't run the ball in the second half that much. I was more mad about, you know, in the second quarter they scored – those two touchdowns and they got the pick six, but right. the, they went no huddle. And that's like Matt Ryan has always been best playing no huddle. And in the third quarter, they started huddling up and trying to waste time and, and yeah. just kind of got out of that tempo and the rhythm offense they were playing in the second quarter. I wish, I mean, to me, like the best defense they have is their offense. And I wish they had just kind of, instead of just trying to ride the game out, like, why don't you put their, put your foot on their neck and try to blow them out. Yeah. So. Well, touchdown Tommy, baby. What are you going to do? Appreciate our man, John Schumann, obviously, uh, coming on every week with the Schumann stat. Big ups to Grant Hill. Join us on this week's edition of the Hangtime Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, please. Do us a favor. Lang, Lang's got uh, he's got uh, some recovery to pay for. He's got some therapy sessions he's got to pay for. So we need, need all the love we can get on iTunes. Make sure you leave a glowing review. New episode every Thursday this season. And we got a special week next week leading into the All-Star Weekend in New Orleans, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Special All-Star Saturday Night podcast dropping for you as we crank it up and head to the Big Easy for All-Star Weekend. We'll see you right here next week, all week, on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata.